0: nice if we could uh go into episode number 151 of the show before the show podcast with something to talk about but uh, unfortunately it doesn't seem like we've got that luxury today about, so thanks for tuning in to the show before the show we'll talk again yeah.
1: how about we talk about how we missed episode 150
0: yeah i know could you believe that That was nuts it was very strange i was saving it on my computer i saved everything by episode number and uh had to create the new folder and it was episode 150, and I was like, oh, man, we just did not acknowledge that at all. <laughs> so, okay. Um, yeah, but, you know, it's uh, we made it through 150 episodes. I don't know how.
1: It, well, it's because Meyer League Baseball apparently still gives us plenty to talk about, even yeah, shock announcements yeah. on a Wednesday afternoon.
0: <laughs> Which I think we might get into here on episode number 151 of the show before the show podcast from MILB.com. My name is Tyler Mon. Sam Dykstra is in uh, the Grapefruit League, the Orange State. What do they call Florida? The Sunshine State? The Sunshine State, State yes. California, the Sunshine State. Beautiful. Um, No, Florida is the Sunshine State. Uh, What is that from? Old school? I don't know. I'm i already. When we record podcasts at night, I have, like, no mental capacity for it. Have you noticed and that? And you're
1: two hours behind me, so you don't even have an excuse. Yeah,
0: it's only 8.15 here. But when we record at night, for whatever reason, I am just like, I'm like a kid at the end of a school day. Like, I can't focus on anything. Like, the
1: sun itself, so... our standards have gone down. <laughs>
0: Um, yeah, exactly. And, uh, if you're tuned into this podcast, you're obviously a person who is well, uh, comfortable with, with low standards. Um, so thanks for joining us yet again this week. Um, tons to talk about and we're excited to get to it. But before we do, thanks for tuning into the show before the show, wherever you found us at MILB.com. We're on Apple podcasts. We're on Google play. We're on the Stitcher app. We're on pocket cast that thing i discovered last week i don't know if anybody actually uses that but now i feel like i should just say every week that we're available on pocket cast for the two of you people that use it <laughs> um and uh and yeah let's uh let's get started sam we are going to issue our normal format this week we will get to three strikes but we will get to three strikes coming up here in a couple of segments coming up next segment If you would like a little bit of a show preview, Um, MLB.com's number twenty-seven overall prospect and the new top prospect, the Miami Marlins organization, Lewis Brinson will join the show. Sam sent me an email, uh, and the subject line was Brinson, and there was a file attached, and it was an interview. And I'm so used to thinking of Lewis Brinson as a cactus league guy that I was like, "What's weird? How did Sam talk to (laughs) Lewis Brinson in Arizona? He is not anymore. He is uh, he is in Jupiter, Florida." And Sam. Got a chance to catch up with the former Rangers slash Brewers prospect, now the Miami Marlins organization. So we'll hear from Lewis coming up here in a little bit, and then we'll get to three strikes after that. But before we do all of that, here we go. From St. Petersburg, Florida, for immediate release on March fourteenth, 2018. Quote, Minor League Baseball today announced rule and procedure changes aimed at reducing the length of extra innings games and the number of mound visits during a game throughout Minor League Baseball. In addition, the AAA and AA levels will use a 15-second pitch clock with no runners on base. The procedures, created in partnership with Major League Baseball, aim to reduce the number of pitchers used in extra innings and the issues created by extra innings games, including, but not limited to, shortages of pitchers in the days to follow, the use of position players as pitchers, and the transferring of players between affiliate it's due to pitching changes caused by extra inning games. All that to say, this is the big one. Quote, at all levels of minor league baseball, extra innings will begin with a runner on second base. And I can hear you all going, <sighs> So stupid. Unbelievable. Hear us out. The runner at second base will be the player in the batting order position previous to the leadoff batter of the inning or the substitute for that player. By way of example, if the number five hitter in the batting order is due to lead off the 10th inning, the number four player in the batting order or a pinch runner for that player shall begin the inning on second base. Any runner or batter removed from the game for a substitute shall be ineligible to return to the game, as is the case in all circumstances under the official baseball rules. This is another key, key point. For purposes of calculating earned runs, under Rule 9.16, the runner who begins an inning on second base pursuant to this rule shall be deemed to be a runner who has reached second base because of a fielding error, but no error shall be charged to the opposing team or any player. There's a lot of other stuff in the rules changes, and we'll get to those. These are pace of play initiatives. There is a lot to digest in these. Um, Sam, your initial reaction to this, we kind of didn't really know this is coming it, it sort of came out today um I don't want to say entirely unexpectedly we knew it was coming I don't think we knew the exact timing of what this release would be but just give me your initial reaction because I know I am on the opposite side from what I saw on Twitter today 98% of people
1: yeah well that's the interesting thing is that it, it all comes down to who you are closest to I think in determining how you fall on this issue um we kind of can be in the middle a little bit which is where we should be as journalists but um <clears throat> you know we know a lot of front office execs, both the major league and minor league side. Uh, we know a lot of players. We know a lot of fans. We know a lot of, uh, you know, people working at the stadiums itself. Um, you know, it depends on where you come down on what your experience is for a game. In front offices and player development, this is what's really driving this, really, is is player development. This isn't like a minor league decision. This isn't really a baseball decision. It's, it's a player development decision. Uh, you don't want you know, your class A roster using up every pitcher they have for a 17 inning game only to come back the next day at one o'clock. Uh, you know, you got a starter who's got to go. If he only goes four innings, you got you got to ask multiple relievers to come in again. Or you like Tyler mentioned, you have to make call ups. You have to make roster moves just to fill spaces. It, it becomes very hectic uh, and really unnecessary. So that's what's really driving the narrative here. Now you have the other side, which is fans. You know, fans want to see a baseball game be a baseball game, be what we were all taught, you know, from the second we understood what a baseball diamond was, which is, you know, this is a game of nine innings. The game's tied after nine innings. They keep adding on an inning until there's a winner. Um, it, the game continues on. It's Nothing changes. This isn't college football. There's not moving the ball. There's not anything like that. It just continues until there's one team has more runs than the other at the end of the inning. Um, So this drastically changes that I get both sides, you know, player development want shorter games because they or you know, they want nine inning games. They don't want extra innings or they don't want to go in deep into extra innings because it's going to potentially hurt their players. Um, So this feels like kind of proactive in that way but by minor league baseball it's before we get to a moment in which you know top prospect x tears a hamstring in the 14th inning or you know top prospect y tears his ucl and in the 17th you know whatever we haven't had a big moment that seems to be affected by this but generally it's taking away from the risk and that's you know that's going to please a lot of folks uh tyler i'm going to have you provide this in a little bit because you've you know, worked in a minor league front office. You know what it's like to be there until the fifteenth, sixteenth, what is it, twenty-third inning, uh, and how much of a drag that can be. Um, but from the fan side, I, I totally get it. You know, this is this is a made-up rule. Um, people still pay the tickets to see minor league games as much as we treat them as their own entity. As much as we treat them to be, you know, a a uh, you know, it's a minor league. It's a all developing towards the major league. Your 15 bucks to go see you know, the Reading Fightin' Phils is still the same money that you are spending to go see the Philadelphia Phillies. You, you're you going to see baseball. You want to see baseball. You want to see what you were growing up with. So I get it that it, it can be frustrating to have this happen. Um, I want to have a hot take on it. When I first came out, I, I tweeted, like, this is what we're going to talk about on the podcast tonight. This is what it's going to be. And I just – I can't get to one side or the other. I can't get to – being pleased and being accepting of this because to be frank, I, I think putting a runner on second base just creates all sort of baseball problems that don't make the game fun. Don't make it, make it exciting. You put a player on second with no outs. It's going to be bunt them over to third. Now it's third with one out. Then it's going to be walk, try to set up the double play. Like it just sets up all this strategy that isn't exciting. What's exciting is, you know, the walk off Homer is all this other stuff, not, the walk-off sack lie that's kind of setting this up. Um, You know, I I don't like incentivizing the bunt, essentially. I I don't like that part. I would much rather have them be, just call it a tie after 11 innings, even though baseball is a game without ties. I get that. But uh, by the other end, listen, it's a made-up game. Baseball, as much as we enjoy it, it's a game that we've all invented rules. God did not come down from the mountaintop <laughs> and hand us slabs that said this is a nine-inning game and this is how you handle the 10th, 11th, and 12th innings. We can play with it a little bit. We can see what works. We can try to fiddle with things, uh, and the minors can be a place for that. The Arizona Fall League, the GCL, the AZL, those are what should especially be testing grounds for this. I get that. Um, but even at the you know, at the Class A, Class A advanced level level, uh, you know, it's still more about development. It's, it's not necessarily who wins and who loses. So if you're claiming that, you know, you're not going to buy tickets because your 12th inning experience is going to change now. I hate to break it to you, but this is not the straw that breaks the camel's back. There were no straws on the camel's back. If you're somebody who really passionately felt something about baseball in the 12th inning, if you're going to stick it out, if you're going to be one of the 25 people left in the game at a minor league baseball stadium, you know this isn't going to change your experience that much it's going to be different it's going to be tough i get that it's not what i would have done i really hope they change this you know next year give it one year of experiment realize this is not a fun game to watch it's not a, it's not fun for the players it really doesn't help them develop certain skills other than just getting out of the ballpark quicker um but you know i'm willing to give it a year i'm willing to see what it's going to be like um you know we're going to have Piece hopefully next week getting some more reaction. This is still fresh on our, all of our minds, um, but yeah, we'll we'll see where this goes. You know, it's the minor leagues; it, it is our beat. It's it should be kind of life and death for us. But you know, if if it means fewer injuries, if it means quicker games, if it means people get out of the stadium on school nights, not at one o'clock in the morning, I think that can be a good thing. Um, but I also get the outrage. I also get you know that you want to see a baseball game end the way Abner Doubleday intended, I guess. I don't know. I, I, I want to say God intended, but I, like I said, that this is not a Ten Commandments situation. Um, so let's just see it how, how it plays out. I, I, I would much prefer a tie game. Um, you know, just leave it a tie. Everybody gave it their best shot. It didn't come down to who bunted the right way or who hit a sack fly. It came down to who tried to produce a run naturally. Uh, and if neither team did it ties a tie, nobody's leaving the stadium upset. It's it's the way it goes. Um, but yeah, we'll have to see. I I don't know. It's, it, it, it seems like such a divisive issue. Um, and I just can't get there until I see it on the field first.
0: No, I think those are all very valid points. Um, I'm, I'm actually very much with you on the idea of a tie. I think, um, In Japan, at the major league level, they have ties Uh, in Nippon professional baseball. That doesn't occur until, I think, after 12 innings in the regular season and 15 innings in the postseason, something like that. But there are ties at the highest level in NPB play. I think at the minor league level over there, they play maybe only the nine innings and then call it a tie. Um, I think what's weird is that it would be a harder sell – to introduce a tie to the American sports public and say, this is the next thing and get that to go through. I think the reaction that we saw today would have been dwarfed by minor league baseball coming out and saying anything through nine innings now, or even 10 innings or 11 innings is a tie, which I think is dumb because nobody cares when spring training games are tied. Um, And yes, you can say spring training games, while they're meaningless, they're not the same thing. A lot of minor league games are meaningless, too. For two teams that are playing a game that's in the 17th inning in the middle of August who aren't in a playoff race, don't have any prospects, those games are meaningless. You're developing players, yes. You can develop guys and develop them in a healthy manner, Through nine innings, maybe 10, maybe 11. I'm actually on board. I think the tie solution is a better solution because I don't think you mess with the fabric of the game. You just mess with the decision of the game. And I think that's, to me, a preferable um, situation for this. But I don't think that that would be something that would be easy to sell. Um, What I think, the biggest thing about this is to me, we need to separate the fact from the fiction. This is not a major league rule. Furthermore, it has not been presented as we're testing this out to see how it would play in the major leagues. That, to my knowledge, has never been discussed, never been on the table, not in the press release. Rob Manfred's never made a comment. I saw somebody on Twitter today say, Rob Manfred and the owners, it's amazing how much they hate baseball because they're doing this. Rob Manfred and the owners, by trying to prevent their top prospects from playing potentially dozens of pointless innings over the course of a season and risking their bottom lines and risking their health, how does that – somebody hating baseball. This is not being changed at the major league level. And I don't believe that there is anywhere on Park Avenue, anywhere in the Grapefruit League, anywhere in the Cactus League. I do not believe there is a single executive who has had the thought, we're testing this out to implement it in the big leagues. I have not seen that discussed once. I don't think that's on the table. I don't think it'll ever be on the table. And the reasons why, I'll explain. But the bigger difference is when the pitch clock came in, that was discussed as this is something that we're testing and we're going to see how it does and maybe we're going to include it at the Major League level. That was put out. That was forthright. That was at the beginning of the pitch clock thing that came in. Have they done the pitch clock at the Major League level? No. They've done the between-inning clock, but they have not brought the pitch clock in. So even if this was something that was threatened to be tested and maybe one day to be at the major league level, that doesn't even mean that it's going to be. So that to me is nonsensical too. But I think so much of the outrage, and of course we live in a world now where... You have to be outraged about something every day. And I think most people see a tweet and they see MILB is implementing these rules and they assume, okay, well this is going to be a logical track to get it to the major league level. That is in my mind and maybe 10, 15 years from now, I'm going to be regretting that I ever said these words. That is never, ever going to happen at the major league level. And the reason why is this in the major leagues, Money rides on wins and losses. Players get paid based on their ability to help a team win. That is not the case in the minor leagues. In the minor leagues, you get paid – to one day hopefully help the major league team win. You're not getting paid to help the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers or the Myrtle Beach Pelicans or the Daytona Tortugas or the Rancho Cucamonga Quakes. You're not getting paid to help that team win. Do you want to win? Absolutely. Are you out there trying to win? Absolutely. Are managers and coaching staffs doing what they can to put you in a position to win? 100% yes. But that is not the point of the minor leagues. The point of the minor leagues is to develop players and get them ready for the major leagues. That's the entire identity of minor league baseball beyond that I do think and you pointed out we haven't had a situation where somebody has gone out and blown out an elbow in the 17th inning of a game that was pointless somebody was thrust into a situation where they shouldn't have been I mean I shouldn't say we haven't had it I'm sure it has happened um, but it hasn't been you know a top 100 prospect the top 50 prospect top 10 prospect somebody who got put into a tough spot in the 18th inning of a game blew out a ligament blew out a joint and we never saw him again something like that but This is a health issue. It is a stamina issue. Over the course of 140 or more games in a season, if you're playing on average, let's say, six to nine games of extra innings in a year, and that's a low estimate, let's say you're playing four innings extra, you're going to the the 12th or the 13th inning extra on all of those nights. That's 30, 40, 50, however many extra innings of baseball you're playing in a season. If you play four extra innings over the course of nine extra inning games, that's 36 more innings than just what your innings total would ordinarily be if it's going to be through nine innings. There are guys – we're going to be broken down by that. And when you're in the middle of a season in which you get, what is it at the, the full season A and AA levels? I think you get eight off days over the course of a season, over 140 to 142 game season. Like it's not much. And it's not as though these are cushy hours. People think like, oh, these players are probably show up at five o'clock, play the game, go home. No, guys are there at one o'clock in the afternoon. They work, they hit, they throw, they field, they do all that stuff. Then they play a game. Then they stick around in the clubhouse, they lift weights, they do post-game stuff, whatever it is. So you're there if you're a player for, I don't know, nine, ten hours a day, and the people who are scoffing and saying, "Ah, it's a normal day's work. You don't work seven straight days. You don't work 21 straight days. You don't work for a span of 62 out of 65 days. That doesn't happen in other lines of work. So to me, that's one of the issues. Um, And not to be all, oh, you were never in a front office to people who are listening, but that's just for the players, front office members, game day staff members. Those people benefit from this in a massive way. And you think the players work long and hard hours. If you're a front office member and you have an eight game homestand with the exception of weekend days in most front offices, for the most part, would you get to go in around 11 or noon? You are in at 830 to nine o'clock in the morning and you're there until 11, sometimes midnight, for a normal nine-hour game. Because you can play a nine-hour game that starts at... Or not nine-hour game. They just feel like that sometimes. A nine-inning game. You can play a nine-inning game that starts at 7.05, and it can be done at 10.45. That's just the... That's the sport. I love baseball that way. I don't think baseball needs to be changed in that regard. But it's when you get into a game in the middle of July between two teams who aren't playing for anything that are in the 16th inning in which you're calling on position players to pitch and which you've got guys playing out of position, nothing is being gained by that. And that's where I don't get the outrage. For all of these people who are so furious, some dude, some writer for SI, I think today said, minor league baseball shouldn't sell another ticket until this rule is taken back. Why, dude? If you can remember the outcome of the last minor league baseball extra innings game that you went to, I will eat my hat. Like, that to me is – you go to minor league baseball games – you love watching the baseball. The baseball is great. You want to watch your team's next great stars. That's awesome. But you're also there because your kid gets to run around to play with the mascot. They get to go on the slides. They're playing around in the playground. You're eating the food. You're watching the Dizzy Bad Contest like minor league baseball is an experience. You're not there to watch. Oh, are the Akron rubber ducks going to pull out this game in May? Are you invested in the game when you're there? Sure. Is your night going to be watered down because you didn't get to watch a game until the 14th inning when you and 240 other people are sitting around in 42-degree temperatures? No. It's not going to change that much. And I think we're – like I said, we're in a circumstance where everybody has to be outraged all the time about something. People hate change. I understand that. But when you are one of those people who – thinks that the world is falling apart just because one thing changed. You dilute the narrative when you're a staff member. And this was my initial point before I got way off track. You're in the ballpark for 13, 14, 15 hours a day. You do that over the course of seven, eight straight days. By the end of that, you're dead. I mean, there's, there is no amount of (laughs) days off from, you know, speaking in a baseball context, one or two days away, the all-star breaks are a luxury because they're three consecutive days off none of those get you back to full your engine never goes back to full over the course of a season and if you're a game day staffer, and I didn't even think about this until a lady pointed it out to me on Twitter today, a game day staffer has it even worse because if you are somebody who comes in, you're an usher, you're a ticket taker, you work in parking, work in concessions, whatever, you more than likely have a day job that you're going to the next day. So if you're working a game that ends at midnight and you've got to be back at work at seven in the morning and work a full day at your day job and then come back and do another game that night, you're also being broken down over the course of a baseball season and As much as people want to think of it this way, it is not a luxury for a lot of people who do those jobs. A lot of people who work the game day jobs are doing it because they're not making enough money in their normal day jobs in order to live on. So you take on a second job. Those people deserve a break from something like this as well. Um, I think the format definitely is the problem because, like Sam said, it rewards – what I think of as very boring baseball. If you start, and I've broadcasted a lot of international tournaments, I've seen the international tiebreaker rule, which puts runners on first and second. I think that is has its equal amount of challenges. It's just not good baseball because, like Sam noted, it rewards the walk and it rewards the bunt. And I think we've finally gotten to a stage in which people are realizing that the bunt is not necessarily the great thing that we were all led to believe it was growing up. Somebody else I saw on social media today pointed out, This will be great because it'll teach prospects how to bunt again. Prospects don't need to know how to bunt again. Bunting isn't getting anybody to the big leagues. Nobody got to the major leagues on the strength of their bunting skills. So if you start with a runner on second base, a pitcher is going to walk the hitter behind them. That gives you one out – or one uh, man on first, one man on second. Then the sacrifice bunt that will inevitably follow to put runners on second and third – Gives you one out, runners in second and third. Then there's another walk more than likely to load the bases, set up a force out anywhere. Now it's two outs, bases loaded. Why don't we just go to two outs, bases loaded then to start every extra inning? It's just I don't think that the – I don't think the game of baseball – lends itself to being tweaked in this regard, which is one of the beautiful things about the game of baseball. It's a a formulaic sport that works so well when it's running on all of the cylinders on which it was crafted that when you try to alter those things, it makes it a little bit different. Football, you can't really say the same about. Football, you can start at the 25 for both teams, and that's exciting. Baseball, it is exciting in a perverse and bizarre way. The extra innings tiebreaker rule does make a game exciting. Um, But I think equating this to oh well in the world baseball classic look at how much it draws back the attack I mean it's not even exciting the extra innings or didn't we see in the playoffs how exciting extra innings games are yeah because those are games with high stakes minor league regular season games are not games with high stakes as much as people want to act like that today upon this announcement that's just not the case and to me I think it it just saves a lot of needless time wasted, um, a lot of time at ballparks where nothing is getting accomplished, players are not being developed in any sort of additional way to what they would be doing if they were going home and getting another two hours of sleep and then coming back to the ballpark to work on stuff the next day. I just don't think that this warrants the outrage it was granted with. What you ultimately want is for your guys to stay healthy, Get better and help your team win a World Series. And when they're playing in the 15th inning of a meaningless game in the Northwest League in August, that's not happening. That's none of that is being added to that player's profile going forward. So that's my thoughts. I I honestly thought that it was going to be a much more even handed reaction. I was like the only person today that I saw like, yeah, I think this is a good step forward. And I do, like Sam said, I do understand the outrage. I do understand the beauty of baseball. People cling so much to the pastoral elements of baseball. And the fact, there isn't a clock and you can play forever and all that type of stuff. I get that. I just think that the ultimate game of the minor leagues is player development. And if that is being hampered and if farm directors think that they're not adding anything to, to the way their guys are going to try to make their tracks, in the big leagues, and you can save some wear and tear and you can save, you know, guys losing extra weight over the course of playing 50 extra innings in a season or whatever it is. I think that takes precedent. So I'll get off my soapbox for a minute, Sam. Your yeah. Part.
1: Well, there's a couple things I want to point out, which are, you know the whole point of this podcast usually is to talk about prospects it's not t- to talk about teams other than right here are prospect laden rosters prospect laden lineups rotations whatever you know it, we very rarely discuss a game because of its result right. I don't know
0: if we've ever done that, right we, and so much of what we unless it's a playoff game
1: right yeah but um so much of what we write is so and so you know did this and then the, the result is often an afterthought Like, we've had times where we know somebody, we're going to have to write up somebody that hit two home runs, drove in six runs, Uh, and it was in a loss. And it's like, well, that doesn't really change the narrative from our aspect. The guy might not be willing to talk as much, but like, that's what we care about is the two home runs. That's what the audience is going to care about. That's what the organization is going to care about, yada, yada, yada. Um, So, yeah, it is very focused on player development, and that's player development, not team development. Um, also one thing I want to point out, which I think is part of the issue here, Tyler, you brought it up in terms of a lot of people thinking, you know, this is maybe going to happen to major league baseball someday where the rules <clears throat> really have an impact, at least in terms of, you know, uh, wins and losses and all that kind of stuff and, and how much is p- paid attention to that level of minutia, uh, is kind of the way it was framed, um, you know this was packaged yeah. with a lot of other pace of play rule changes the pitch clocks the the mound right. visits all that kind of stuff and that really is aimed at making the game shorter and when you package it with that other stuff and you know maybe the people in St. Pete are going to be happy with me saying this and I just think it should have been two different announcements or two different releases in a in a way because you package them together right. Pace of play is something Major League Baseball is trying to deal with. It's actively something Ron Manfred has talked about. They're trying to cut down on things. Um, You know, pitch clocks, mound visits, all that can kind of help with that. Um, You know, they're exploring other ways to to go about that. And they've tested that in the minor leagues before. You latch this on with that and you begin to think, okay, well, if these things are happening in the major leagues, this might also happen. Major League Baseball isn't worried about you know, extra innings lengthening length of games. Uh whenever we talk about how long the pace of play is, how long a game is, it's nine innings. That's what they're using to measure. It's nine inning games. It's not, you know, they're not using 15 inning outliers to say like, oh well this game went on five and a half hours and that's adding on 15 minutes to the average. No, that's not how that works. Um you know they love to be honest with you, Major League Baseball probably loves an occasional 15 inning game because it, it has that drama. It gets shown on Sports Center the next morning. All the dramatic at bats get thrown into a video that gets posted on the MLB, you know, social media channels, all that kind of stuff. And that can be really exciting. And that's what we all love. And that's what we think we're missing here. Um, so I just wish that they were kind of detached in that way. Uh, yeah. But
0: I think that's a really good point.
1: Right. And also, yeah. Th- Just to go back to the whole sanctimonious part about this, and I wish I had come up with this tweet, but I want to read it because it it was not my idea first. Uh, Michael LaNana, uh, who worked for Baseball America, just brought up this really good point about what minor league baseball is. And and he said, the new pace of play rules are definitely going to kill attendance for the millions of fans who love the no frills, no gimmicks, no nonsense, team first, must win atmosphere of minor league baseball games. (laughs) Obviously your tongue could not be more firmly in your cheek for every single one of those words and every one of those syllables. Um, You know, minor league baseball is a time where, you know, there's Star Wars nights, it feels like once a week. You know, we bring Ben on to talk about this stuff. There is a lot of gimmicky things about minor league baseball and that's part of what we love about it is getting to see, you know, Ronald Acuna in a Spider-Man uniform or whatever, you know, all all these little things. Um, And to say that, well, this is where a game is at its most pure. I mean, that's just not true. You know, I've been to minor league baseball games where a donut races a cup of coffee. You know, like there's all these gimmicky things that already happen within a minor league baseball game. Yes, a lot of them are outside the lines. But, you know, to put this inside the lines to say that you are a baseball purist because you're going to a minor league game is, you're selling yourself a bill of goods, essentially. Um, So, you know, there's just a lot of people Screaming from their high chair, which happens all yeah. the time on Twitter. That's basically what the platform is now. Um, but yeah, it's it, it, again. I go, I keep coming back to this idea that, and I do this with all sports. You know, we we act that anytime a rule changes in a sport, it's you know this whole big thing. It, it how dare we upset the ancestors? It's like we're amending the constitution or adding a verse to the Bible uh, or you know the Quran or the whatever you know whatever mm-hmm. holy book you want. Um, you know this stuff isn't written in blood or stone or ink or any of that it can be changed it can be amended i just want to see what how it's going to play out um you know give it a season let's see how players react let's see if player development folks are happy with it maybe they won't be maybe you know the backlash will be so big that we're not talking about this again in a year but we don't know until we try and that's what this is going to be and you know you try it out at the minor league levels and you know tune in a year from now and i'm sure we'll be having this we can play this back to us and we'll tell you how big of an idiot we are because you know some big game that decided the midwest league north division you know second half title was decided on july 7th by an error that allowed the guy from second to score in the 11th i don't know but um you know that i I'm just I, – I can't get either side on this. I can't get too hot to get get too cold on it. Um, I want to see how it's going to play out. And if it doesn't work out, then that's that's why they're testing it, and we'll see where it goes from there.
0: I do think it's a really good point that this was uh, a pretty big matzo ball to throw out there with everything else. It's one thing to say, all right, we're shortening the pitch clocks from 20 seconds to 15 seconds at AAA and AA. But to put this out there packaged as part of the all these things are being done to speed up the game – and we've heard so much about pace of play, like Sam said, from the Major League side, it does kind of make it feel like, oh, well, all of this is being tested. They've been testing the pitch clock thing. They're doing the mound visit thing now in Major League Baseball. Obviously, the extra innings thing is is going to be coming too. I just in no way can conceive of any type of future in which the extra innings rule ever makes it into a major league game ever i also don't know and i would assume that because it is not included explicitly in this that it does apply but i don't know if this applies in the postseason i would assume that it does um i if i had my druthers i would wish that that wasn't the case um but you know i mean like sam said these things are all this is a very malleable situation sports. The other thing that I don't get, and I kind of put this out there as well. Why is it that everybody freaks out about baseball rule changes? And maybe it's just because I'm not as tuned into the other sports. I know there are hockey purists who hate the shootout. I know there are hockey purists who hate four on four overtime. I know there are people who love football that hate college football overtime. I get that, but it doesn't seem like there is such a scorched earth reaction to any other sport altering its rule book the way there is to baseball. And I don't know if it's just because of the history and the tradition, whatever baseball implemented the designated hitter in the 1970s. I mean, that was one of the most game altering things ever. Color TV was around. It's not like we were, you know, underhand pitching things on a flat playing surface on an old civil war battlefield. Like this is a game that has been changed over generations constantly. That's what sports are. And so I don't really understand just such a massive freak out about it. It's at the minor league level. You're not going to see it on a major league TV screen. You're probably going to forget about this and the fact that it's going on anyway. So I don't really understand why everybody's so up in arms. Yeah.
1: I mean, it it just comes down to, we cling to tradition as much as we can. And and baseball is the traditional sport. Um, that's right. That's what it comes down to. I mean, I know there are people who are still willing to fight me on the designated hitter rule. They're wrong. The designated hitter rule makes the game more fun. Um, not uh, well, terrible. Okay, but, Mr. Um... Colorado. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, this – I don't think this is – again, and I, I can't stress this enough. I do have a problem with this specific rule. I don't have a problem with trying to change extra innings. I think this is the wrong way to do it. Um, but this is the rule we have now, and I'm willing to give it a chance until we realize something's wrong with it. And, okay, listen, let's try to change it and get something else right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's – we, we can quibble about the exact idea of the rule, and some people have been willing to do that, and that's great, and let's have that conversation. And then I wish we kind of knew this was coming so we could have this conversation ahead of time. Um, but, yeah, the idea that extra innings is sanctimonious and needs to be pristine and untouched and all that at a level where you've got 18, 19, 20-year-olds – um, you know, just getting trotted out for, for no good reason or position players throwing 65 mile an hour pass balls, which is fun. I get it. Don't get me wrong, but right. when
0: it's fun until somebody blows out a rotator right. cuff, then it's not, or, yeah,
1: you know, somebody gets plunked by a guy who doesn't have control or whatever. Like there's right. any right. sort of thing that can happen there that just doesn't right. need to happen. That's not what Meyer league baseball is for. So, um, yeah uh we'll 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 see this out and i'm sure we're gonna get a lot of tweets and a lot of reaction from this but listen i I, i'd much rather live in a sport where people are gonna have big reactions to big news like this than to have it just go down the you know nobody talk about it nobody cared none of that it's it's nice to have people care um and let's just give it a chance and, and see what it does for our sport
0: I agree with that. Um, I think we're both on the same page. If I had my ideal world, I think you play eleven innings, even, and then call it a tie. If nobody can win it in eleven innings, guess what? Tomorrow's another yep. day in the game of baseball. I'll throw the ties out of the rule book. Play by the record that you have, and everything goes on. As and then sport. we, you know what um, that
1: would actually do, which I think it would be great. This current rule, or that they're about to implement, uh, specializes bunts. You know, again, the intentional right, walk, all right. of that. If that got implemented. That would lessen the importance of the win-loss record for pitchers, which would be awesome because we don't need to talk about ah. that anymore.
0: Ah, that's a I'm good call. Um, that was another thing, too, was, oh, it's going to ruin bullpen. The ERAs are going to be ridiculous. No, because the, ru- the run that's put at second base doesn't count as an earned run anyway, so you can take that off of your, your little mind. Um, some of the other um, rules that were announced today – Pitchers mound visits will be limited uh, visits by coaches and position players. This according to the official release will be limited based on the classification level. Triple A clubs will get six visits per team, double A clubs, eight visits, single A clubs, 10 visits. There will not be a limit on short season and rookie level teams. Um, the mound visits will, Those limits will apply whether it's a seven-inning doubleheader game or a regularly scheduled nine-inning game. Um, For any extra innings that are played, you get one additional non-pitching change visit per inning. And the definition of a mound visit was kind of interesting. That is when a manager or coach – goes to the mound to meet with a pitcher at all that constitutes a visit. A player leaving his position to confer with the pitcher, including a pitcher leaving the mound to confer with another player, also constitutes a mound visit, regardless of where that visit occurs or the length of the visit, except that the following shall not constitute – Mound visits, discussions between players and position players and pitchers that occur between batters in the normal course of play. So you see a first baseman flips the ball back to a pitcher. They say something to each other. That is not a mound visit. Visits by position players to the mound to clean spikes in rainy conditions. Be interesting to see if we see more of that with players knowing this doesn't technically count as a mound visit visits to the mound during an injury or potential injury and visits after the announcement of a pinch hitter. Um, But this was the interesting thing about that in the event, a team has exhausted its allotment of mound visits in a game or extra inning. And the home plate umpire determines that the catcher and pitcher did not have a shared understanding of the location or type of pitch that had been signaled by the catcher, otherwise referred to as a cross-up as this section is the cross-up in sign section the home plate umpire may upon request of the catcher allow the catcher to make a brief mound visit any mound visit resulting from a cross-up prior to a team exhausting its allotted number of visits shall count against a team's total number of allotted mound visits That, I think, is a very good and very needed rule because how many times you see a catcher go out to the mound, comes back, gives a sign, pitcher steps off, calls for him to come out again, and then inevitably when it's a visiting team, everybody boos and everybody goes nuts. I think that's fine. I don't have any issue with that. But I also think it's cool that there is some grace in that this is still a developmental pathway for baseball. There are going to be situations where you kind of need to talk it out. So I think it's cool that the umpires will be given the discretion to do that beyond the um, the allotted mound visits. Um, and the 15-second pitch timer as well, which will be at AAA and A AA to begin the year. So that um, anything else with those, Sam? By the way, the first 15 days of the season will be a grace period. Players will get warnings over that time um, for the, the pitch clocks, et cetera, which we've seen over the last few seasons in which the pitch clocks have been utilized. But anything else stand out to you about those? Uh, no, not
1: really. Um, shortening by five seconds seems kind of interesting but you know again use it as a testing ground we'll see how that kind of goes I, I haven't really noticed pitch clocks that I've been at you get used to it not a big deal um shortening it by five seconds we'll see what kind of actual impact that has uh, I did a story a couple of years ago in which it looked like it was actually happening in an impact uh so we'll we'll have to wait for a full season of games see how that kind of goes uh the cross-up I'm actually. Very happy that they included that because, as you mentioned, Tyler, you know, this is the Meyer Leagues. There are going to be times where guys are still learning signs. They're still going through all that kind of stuff. Um, So I would hope umpires are really lenient on that. Um, And also the fact that a lot of times you got pitchers and catchers working together for the first time. Um, Sometimes you have them working together for the first time, and they don't even know each other's language (laughs) that well. The only way they can communicate is through pitching signs or, or whatever um, especially at the lower levels. So, you know, again, I, I'd hope umpires are understanding and can kind of take that all that in and, and know what that's, what that's going to be. I, I don't want to see, uh, you know, these mound visits become a real issue just because a guy, you know, thought it was a curveball and it was a fastball and they actually should discuss this because the guy just showed up, uh, from class a the day before that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I mean, the, the other stuff, Kind of felt inevitable if this all dropped, like I said earlier, it, as its own thing. I don't think we would have, we certainly wouldn't devote an entire segment to it like we're doing now. It, w- it would be a strike, and we would kind of move on. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm just going to kind of leave it there. And it's another thing we'll be keeping an eye on the, these first couple months. You know, maybe we'll do a follow-up story. Uh, you know, it certainly could be one of our usual interview questions now of what do you think about this and. Um, you know, how is it kind of impacting your game? But all this other stuff, I think, is just kind of par for the course, some some tweaks, some tightening, uh, but uh, yeah, not nothing too surprising.
0: It's pretty interesting stuff. Um, but what it ultimately comes down to, none of us were in the room where it happened, the room where it happened, the room
1: where it. Happened. yeah, we know you saw Hamilton. Some of us, <laughs> tried to get in the Hamilton lottery that was for, years ago
0: that was for Dave Roberts not the Dodgers manager but Dave Roberts at history underscore dreamer who tweeted at me two days ago quote all the kudos if you guys can figure out a way to work a Hamilton reference into the pod
1: done and done Dave Why didn't you just tell him to wait I got for you it. brother I can do this literally all day like a ah uh, pretty yeah. good pretty good sam i i am no, not going to do the, not going to throw away my shot like that's too easy it's <laughs> <That's>
0: too easy <laughs> Oh, man. All right. We are going to move on to, to more um, – I don't want to say more fun because it's fun. We're talking about baseball. It's fun no matter what, but maybe a less testy topic. And uh, we're going to catch up with Lewis Brinson, now the top prospect in the Miami Marlins organization, who uh, was checking out some new digs and getting acclimated to the Grapefruit League. Sam got a chance to catch up with the former Rangers draft selection and Brewers prospect Lewis Brinson from the Miami Marlins system Next.
1: Yeah, it's obviously been a good spring for you so far. Um, what do you kind of attribute that to? What's allowed you to hit the ground running? Um, just you know, trying
2: to you know stay focused and stay uh, you know positive with everything. Uh, not trying to do too much. I think you get to a new team, you get you know to a new organization. Just got traded for somebody like Yelich. Uh, you know, a lot of guys want to do you know you want to hit the ground running real fast and uh, try to do too much and. You know try to impress people but I've been I think I've done a good job of just you know going about my routine every day um, you know taking it one at bat one game at a time and just letting the game come to me instead of uh, going out and trying to chase something that uh, isn't there so I, I think I've done a pretty good job of uh, you know being, being real you know uh, quiet kept and uh, just going about my business every day
1: mm-hmm. yeah and you talked about like a trade philosophy you've gone through this before what, right. how much does that help oh
2: it helps a lot uh, first time I got traded, I was kind of shocked and kind of, you know, didn't know what to do. And then this time it was a little bit more uh, not expected, but uh, I was definitely more prepared. I uh, knew what to expect. You're going to a new clubhouse. I knew some of the guys already coming over, so, you know, that helped. Right. And then the guy, that, the guys that were coming over with me, Monte, Isan, and Jordan, I knew them. So uh, it was it was uh, kind of an easy transition. And all these guys in here have uh, made it an easy transition for me. Uh, coming on a new team, you know, young guy I want to you know, impress real quick. But, you know, all these guys have made it real uh, easy for me to be comfortable
1: and, you know, fit in with everybody. Yeah, and you mentioned the three guys who came over with. it. How quickly did you reach out to them and tell them, listen, this is what happens next?
2: Yeah. Um, uh, I think Monte called me like maybe 20 minutes after the trade happened, before I, <laughs> <laughs> or after I got the call that I was getting traded and then uh, they officially announced it. We talked for a little bit and I just told them, yeah, hey, listen, this is, uh, you know, it, it's, it doesn't hurt, but it's shocking. but. You know, it's a new opportunity, a lot better opportunity for us over here um, than uh, the situation in Milwaukee. But, you know, the Milwaukee, you know, wanted to do, uh, you know, something with their club, and, you know, we weren't, you know, a part of it right now. But coming over to the Marlins, I'm real happy to – know be a part of what's going on here and i know i know those guys are too mm-hmm. and when where
1: were you when you heard about the trade what was it
2: uh where was i i was in uh dc about to go to fan fest oh okay <laughs> and i was visiting some uh some uh my fiance's family up in dc before i went to milwaukee so i found that out day before I was supposed to leave so okay I'm glad I found that. yeah out. No, that, that
1: <laughs> <was> <laughs> easy enough to cancel that flight yeah so how quickly did you turn around did you come home like where are you based out of in the offseason
2: uh Fort Lauderdale okay. right Off the road yeah um but I, I stayed there for a couple of days um I stayed in D.C. for like two three days and then came on back home and you know I was getting just you know phone call after phone call so But yeah yeah but uh yeah I was I was up in D.C. when I found out
1: what was the family reaction like
2: oh it was awesome. I get to, They get to watch me play finally. My mom gets to come kind of to my game. She comes to all my games on the weekend, so and then she'll uh, get to watch me in Miami, hopefully. So, um, you know, they were all happy. Uh, very happy for me to be home. And for a hometown kid to play for his favorite team, you know, I know uh, everybody's you know, with that story, but you know, it's, it definitely means a lot to my family and friends that live here, that I've grew up with and have uh, watched me grow in baseball. So it, it definitely means a lot
1: to them. Yeah. How many ticket requests have you gotten, or autograph requests, or? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, not anything out of the norm when I'm home already, but okay. I'm sure it'll, you know, it'll pick up during the year. But you know, I, I told everybody, you know, I, I want everybody to come out and, and uh, you know, watch, not just watch me, but watch the team. Um, but uh, no, not too many so far.
1: Yeah. How important is it to you to wear the number nine? You know Pierre was a big mm. favorite of yours growing up. You right, just walked in with him. Yeah. Uh, how quickly did you choose that number, and what does that mean to uh, you?
2: real quick. Um, you know, I, I just thought about that once the Marlins told me that you know they wanted to set some us for set the set something up for us to to meet in person. But um, you know, I told them straight up like I want to wear number nine. I don't know if they're going to get. It. I don't know if anybody has it um, already because D had it before, so right. I wasn't sure you know the logistics of that. But. Um, you know, it was nice to uh, you know have the Marlins give me that number. It means a lot. Obviously, J.P. being one of my favorite players growing up. Um, watching him with, with the Marlins was a, was a big deal of mine, uh, coming to Pro Player Stadium uh, up there in Miami Garden. So to get number nine, it means a lot to me. and I'm going to wear it with uh, a lot of pride, a lot of honor.
1: What's yeah. the biggest piece of advice he's given you so far? Uh,
2: just, you know, take it one game at a time. Uh, be yourself. That's probably the biggest thing. Uh, J.P.'s a real... Uh, be yourself type of dude, um, you know, real, you know, 100% with everything, uh, never fake about anything. He, he just said, be yourself, be your own player. Um, don't try to please anybody. Try to, your expectations are for you and God. And, um, you know, he uh, he's a big believer in, you know, just going about your, your game professionally and going about your day professionally. So I think the biggest thing that I've caught from him so far, you know, he's, you know, bits and pieces here about stealing bases and playing the outfield and bunting and hitting and stuff. But You know just all ultimately around my whole game just being
1: myself and letting the game come to me instead of going out and chasing it Mm -hmm. and part of being yourself is showing off your power a little bit you got to hit your last home run Mm -hmm. or your first home run last week um First off, what did that mean? Just hit that first one, get it out of the way, but also get it out of the way in my I mean, uniform.
2: To uh, you know, hit a ball in the barrel. That, that that's my biggest thing right, right now. Wherever it goes, you know, right now it doesn't really matter to me. Um, but it, it you know, it's it's uh, it's nice to hit your home first home run and you know, a new team, new new uniform. It felt you know, home runs feel good in general, but uh, to do it uh, with the Marlins, even though it's spring training and uh, you know, first one in the new threads, you know, I felt good. Got it pretty well, and off a really good pitcher. You know, he was right. uh, Flaherty was really good that day. So I'm glad uh, I got to uh, you know get one off of him. And, but uh, you know, kudos to him. He had a you know he was shutting us down for most of that game. But uh, it
1: felt good. Yeah, I was going to ask about him because obviously that was a prospect versus prospect matchup. Right. You struck out in the first at bat. Right. Come back to hit the home run. What adjustments were you making against him? Uh, as a guy, I don't, I don't know if you've seen him before in the minors, but you guys were at the Futures game together right, last year. Right,
2: um, I think I faced him a couple other times in uh, Springfield and I think Memphis. But, uh, okay. you know, he he had a slider working. He was keeping everything at my knees, uh, keeping it at, at everybody's uh, down, real, real low down in the zone. Uh, he was mixing out and in. He was kind of working me in a little bit, so I, I kind of didn't look in, but, uh, you know, I, I just reacted in, and uh, I think it was a cutter. Uh, but he was working everything, you know, down below my thighs, kind of in. So I just looked in there. and Luckily, he threw it there, and I put a good swing on it. Um, but uh, like I said, he was, he, was, he was great that day. He's got really good stuff, and I think he's going to have a really good big career.
1: Mm-hmm. And obviously, last year didn't end the way you wanted it to right. with the hamstring injury. Um, you know, how difficult was it kind of to sit on the bench for that Milwaukee run and that's kind of the last time you were a brewer?
2: Right. No, it was, it was difficult. Um, I definitely wanted to get up there in, in September. Uh, But, you know, baseball gods had other plans. Um, Luckily, it wasn't too serious of an injury. Obviously, I missed some time, but it wasn't, I didn't need surgery, so that was a a big plus. But it was tough sitting in Arizona, you know, watching the, you know, their kind of last spent or last, uh, you know, kind of push at the playoffs. And, uh, you know, coming one game close, you know, uh, know, sitting at home, that was tough to not be a part of that. And, um, you know, I had couple guys up there that I played with in AAA that were contributing and you know it kind of hurt to see them you know contributing to a big league ball club playoff race and not me not being a part of it sitting in my hotel room you know watching it on TV so it was definitely tough but um, you know injury's gone now uh, with a new team and you know I can't wait to uh, be a part of our playoff push.
1: And as little time as you did spend in the majors last year what, what did you take away from that time? You know, what did you kind of learn, or what was eye-opening to you?
2: Um, just again, what JP preaches: just be yourself. The first time, I was trying to do too much. Uh, you know, trying to hit a, a five-home, fine-run home run with nobody on base. I was just trying to impress, just trying to do something right off the bat, and I kind of got out of my game a little bit. Got sent back down. And the second time I came up, I think I did a better job of staying within myself, knowing my game, staying with my swing, my routine, and everything. Uh, I think you can get to the big leagues and get a little excited about, you know, the awe of being in the big leagues and um, everything that goes with it instead of just playing baseball. And I think the second time I did a better job of just playing baseball and being myself and, you know, going about my business every day. And I think I had better at bats the second time.
1: Mm-hmm. And obviously last year at Colorado Springs was a standout year for you. Right. How do you feel like you grew? What was something you were, that made you a major league ready player right. at the end of the year that wasn't necessarily there at the beginning?
2: Uh, I think just my routine every day. Being a you know being a routine guy over the past couple of years has really helped me with my success. Um, just coming to the field every day doing my same thing, my same routine, stretching, hitting, running, anything that I do before the game, and not caring not necessarily not caring what happened in the game, but, you know, doing the same thing every day, no matter what happened in the game, whether I went 4-4 or 4 um, You know, I did the same thing every day and I stuck to it every day, and I think that was a big part of my success last year, and I, I'm going to do the same thing this year. Um, you know, I tell these guys all the time that, you know, to do, um, I think for me, just to have success, I need to do what works for me, what's worked for me in the past, and, you know, whatever uh, worked for me in the past, I'm going to keep doing it no matter what the result is. And, um, you know, I think that was a big part of my success this year, and I think it's going to be a big part of my success this
1: year. Mm -hmm. And what do you think Marlins fans were going to get to know you? You know, they're getting to know you now. What do you think is the most exciting part of your game that they're going to get to see? I
2: think uh, the the speed-power combination. Um, You know, I'm really working on stealing bases with J.P. and and getting better jumps and reading pitchers, Uh, definitely being a better hitter, contributing, you know, every at-bat, having good at-bats all the time, and just going to get in that outfield. It's a big outfield, and, you know, i got a lot of ground to cover, but I think... uh, you know with the outfield that we have uh you know uh, hopefully me being a part of it with cam and and uh d uh dd out in, in uh left field i think uh we got a lot enough athleticism to uh you know cover that big outfit it's a really big uh outfield in miami um but i think we can do it all together um you know as a unit out there mm-hmm.
1: how did the trade kind of change your off season you know did the marlins give you a different plan a different focus you know how are the marlins kind of different from the brewers at least
2: um since i mean you made the switch? i mean it was it was you know Uh, real close to spring training uh, the trade so you know really nothing changed I stuck stuck in my same routine I think it was two weeks into spring training that I found out so I just stuck stuck to my routine I came here a couple times to uh, hit and meet everybody that was here and um, I just you know stuck to my routine Um, you know worked out the same nothing really changed Uh, I just knew that I wasn't going to Arizona Uh, I was coming up (laughs) the street um i didn't have to ship my yeah i didn't have to ship my car i found an apartment you know my agent kind of switched it around on me real good so kudos to them for you know quick uh quick acting on that um finding me an apartment a place to stay so you know nothing really changed off season wise just you know traveling 30 minutes up the road
1: and what was the marlins first message to you after the trade or first time you were here for spring training first meetings?
2: just to you know be yourself um you know they knew they knew i was getting traded for the second time and um, they just told me to uh, go out there and play, um, you know, be yourself, uh, contribute. I know it's a young team, but don't be afraid to, uh, you know, be kind of a not speak too much, but kind of be a leader, uh, a quiet leader, lead by example kind of thing. But you know, I'm kind of looking up to you know JB and, and Cam and JT Rumuto and all those guys that have been here for a little bit, that have been around uh, in the big leagues for a little bit to. Uh, you know, pick their brains and, you know, how it is in Miami, how, uh, you know, how it is in the big leagues for a full season. Hopefully I get that shot this year. But, uh, you know, I I think, um, you know, being a part of this uh, young, but, you know, still kind of veteran team um, with guys that have been on the, uh, you know, in the big leagues for a while, I think
1: it'll, you know, benefit me a lot. And uh, having been in their seat before quite literally, what kind of message do you have for Miami fans, you know, entering this year?
2: (laughs) What time is it? Okay. All right. okay. Yeah, this is the last
1: one anyway. Uh, what, the question. Yeah, 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 No, having literally been in, like, Miami fan seats before, Right. Yeah. You know, what do you kind of hope the message is to them this year? I, obviously, clubs rebuilding a lot of young know, right. talent there as well. You know, what is something you could tell them as a native and somebody who's been there?
2: Uh, I think, uh, you know, believe in us. People, you know, I, I don't think uh, patience is, uh, you know, a word that, you know, nobody in this organization wants to use. I don't think, you know, obviously the world, the word be, the word build or rebuild or, you know, what, whatever everybody wants to call it. Um, you know, I think we're going to have a really good team. Uh, they yeah, should right. come out and watch us. Um, you know, we're going to have a really good squad. And, uh, um, I'm excited to uh, be a part of it. And I think, uh, Miami fans should be excited too. Um, a lot of guys in there, are uh, ready for this season to get going, um, and uh, to see everybody at the ballpark. And for me, being a fan of this team growing up, um, just seeing um, you know how much energy that we have in the clubhouse, and you know see how much energy we play with on the field. I think everybody should be very excited for the season. And don't you know, write us off. Um, you know I think it'll be a good year, and we'll surprise a lot of people. All right. Great. Yeah.
0: Big thanks to Lewis Brinson, who uh, always a good dude to catch up with the podcast and the website and all other things. You can find Lewis Brinson on Twitter. He is at Lewis Brinson, as you may have guessed. And uh, that'll get us into a real quick three strikes because we um, went super long on our initial topic today. But reassignments all over the place in the major leagues and minor leagues. We're going to go through our most surprising guy who has been sent down from major league camp. The guy who we project is going to be up quickest. And the guy who is most surprising who is still left in major league camp. Let's start with a shocking demotion saying, who you got? We actually both have the we same guy. We both have the
1: same guy, right? So we both have Willie Calhoun. So instead of trying to say, like, I have one person, you have one person, let's just both agree that Willie Calhoun getting sent down to Triple to A Round Rock was kind of a shock. It, it would have been a shock two weeks from now. It's even more of a shock that it comes now. um He seemed like he was pretty well set to be the starting left fielder for the Texas Rangers on opening day came up at the end of the last year after the trade from the Dodgers. Um, the bat is certainly major league ready. Absolutely tore up, uh, you know, the PCL last year shows good power, especially for somebody of his size. The only question was, you know, they're moving him from second base to left field. Uh, he has defensive questions anywhere. He's going to go uh, might have a future as a DH, um, but at least he was major league ready let him figure that stuff out at the major league level. He's definitely going to be, one of their nine best bats in the Rangers organization right away. Um, So they decided to send him back to Round Rock. I don't know what he exactly has to prove. If it's just wait for an injury to happen, if it's we would like to get you one outfield assist (laughs) before we bring you back. But, um, yeah, to see Willie Calhoun, who already has major league experience, sent down uh, this quickly was certainly a surprise to basically everybody except for probably the Rangers brass.
0: Yeah, it uh, it just really seemed more like Willie Calhoun was going to be given a bigger shot to seize an opening day um, position with the Rangers. So I think, um, yeah, that kind of that name stuck out to both of us. That was the first one that we um, each said when it came to this category. Um, Willie Calhoun could fall into our next category as well but we both pick some other names for this one. The guy who you think will be up quickest from the minor leagues and the major leagues to start the year, Shohei Otani, already exempt from this conversation. He's probably not going to go to the minors anyway.
1: Yeah, th- these are just guys who have already been cut from camp, already been reassigned or optioned or whatever like that, uh, who is going to be up pretty quickly. And I-, I think my choice when I was in Braves camp this week, nobody was really talking about him in terms of um, somebody who was going to be up super quick, but Max Freed is going to be my pick, at least for top 100 prospects. Uh, who have already been cut or reassigned, uh, to be back with the big club pretty soon. The way the Braves rotation is working out right now, Luis gohara that was the big news. Uh, He sustained another injury during a a fielding practice the other day, uh, Mm -hmm. hurt his ankle. So he's not going to be in that starting rotation to begin the year. That opens up a spot for maybe Scott Casimir, maybe Matt Whistler, all that kind of stuff. I get that. Uh, but free got major league experience last year. He got some Arizona Fall League time after that. Uh, not had the, necessarily the best of springs, but as a guy who's already got that major league time, he's kind of right on the hook there. Could be potentially brought up pretty quick, uh, especially if the Braves continue to have rotation questions, which they do. You know, at the at the back end, um, you know, Brandon McCarthy's there this year. He has an injury history. Casimir, I don't think pitched at all last year. Um, so if he's given a major league shot, you can't really count on him. To pitch more than a couple handful starts, um, maybe he'll do that. But you can't plan that way. Um, so I think Freed may work. You know, get in a couple dominant Gwinnett outings, uh, could weasel his way into that conversation without having to worry about service time anything like that. So he's kind of my pick, who I think could be back up certainly quickly. I don't think it necessarily is going to happen. This isn't a prediction, um, but I think he he could be up pretty quick.
0: I'm going to go to the Tampa Bay Rays organization. Um, Evan Longoria obviously shipped out of that um, long time tenure in Tampa Bay and the Rays, I'm going to say will need one of their two stud young infielders on the left side at some point early on this season, whether that's Willie Adamas who might have the higher ceiling or Christian Arroyo, who's already got some big league time behind him um, spent some time in the major leagues last year with San Francisco before he was traded over the offseason. I think one of those two guys in fairly short order, both have proven they can do it at the triple a level, Christian Arroyo, started last year blew up with triple a Sacramento had a fantastic start to the season. Willie Adamas was just steady from start to finish for the Rays. Um, so I'll go with one of those two guys and your most surprising player who was left in major league camp, Sam.
1: Yeah. Mine is somebody who I actually saw today in Houston or in Houston camp. I should say I am in West Palm beach uh, in Houston camp was Kyle Tucker. You might remember, we've talked about him a couple times this year or this spring for how well he's done and how well he's taken a great food league action. Um, but a guy who only finished last year at double a uh, Corpus Christi, um, still extremely young, uh, even for that level, Never mind, you know, playing this much great food league games. He's only 21. He turned 21 in January. So I, he seems like a pretty Key guy to like we'll bring him in get him a taste of what a major league clubhouse is like what a major league spring training clubhouse is like let him rub elbows with the guys maybe pick up some pointers send him back down by the middle of March you know when this podcast is coming out is the Ides of March so maybe he'll be sent down Saturday and it's fine but you know he's really taken well to that Uh, everybody in the Houston clubhouse calls him Ted because they say his swing reminds him of Ted Williams you know, whether that's true or not, you can be the judge. We have a ton of, ton of video of him up on the site. Um, but it just kind of gives you an idea that the Astros do like him enough, uh, you know, and, and talking to some of their player development people, they really do think he has the potential to be up pretty quickly uh, this year. Um, you know, they were saying he's a candidate to start in Fresno to begin the year, and if he takes to the PCL and the hitter-happy environments that are there, as well as they think, you know, He could enter that discussion for their left field job. Um, Definitely not going to make the the club out of camp, but considering left field is one of the weaker spots right now for the Astros, uh, keeping Tucker around, they want to get him used to that, Um, seeing how he fits with the guys. Maybe there's a chance we're talking about him in the second half, Um, and that's not something I would have said as strongly maybe a month and a half ago. So surprise, he's still there. It's kind of changing the narrative a little bit. Kelsey Hennigan had a story about him on the site today. Go check that out about how he's adding power uh, to his game. But yeah, he, he, you could have told me that his spring was going to go well, and I wouldn't even think he would last this long. So good for Kyle Tucker, and we'll have to continue to watch him in the days and, and you know months to go forward to see how well he can uh, keep this going.
0: Yeah, Kyle Tucker's certainly a guy you can see in Houston um, in 2018. The player that I picked is not somebody who you're going to see at the major league level more than likely in 2018 unless something crazy happens. But Keston Jairo was the first-round pick of the Milwaukee Brewers last year and has been phenomenal in his, albeit limited time in major league camp, but he's seen action in parts of 14 games, 10 for his first 25. It's a 400 average, a 423 on base percentage, a five sixty slugging percentage. It's just a guy who knows how to hit. Last year, he was a junior at Cal Irvine. He led NCAA Division One hitters, batting .442. Um, and a second baseman who is pretty athletic, works well defensively. I think he's going to be a guy who is very fun to watch as he develops. We only saw him last year at a couple of stops in the minors, the AZL at rookie level with the Brewers, and then at Class A full season Wisconsin uh, in the Midwest League. But there, combined over 42 games, he batted three seventy one, four twenty two, six eleven. And that's after his batting average fell 102 points from what he did in rookie ball. He batted 333, 374, 476 in class A. That was 102 points in average, less than it was uh, at the rookie level, and nearly 500 points in OPS. He batted 435 in OPS, 1339 um, at the rookie level. So the top prospect in the Brewers organization, um, you know, his hit tool is his best graded tool, but everything else is pretty good. It's either major league average or above average. Um, so it's uh, it's going to be fun to watch where he ends up. I think he's going to end up breaking camp, probably with Carolina at the Class A advanced level. It seems to be the the right level of entry for a player like that coming out of college last year, but a guy Guy, kind of surprising to still be a major league
1: game. Yeah, still... I actually wouldn't be surprised if he's in Biloxi, to be honest with you, just because the hit tool is yeah, that advanced. He hits everywhere. He hits against everybody. Uh, I think he actually got a hit against Otani in a B game earlier this spring, um, which is fascinating. So I, it would not surprise me. I'm not saying it's going to happen. You know, Brewers don't need to necessarily rush him, but given the way he's hit everybody, I think Biloxi could be a, a good – it, more than just an interesting challenge, a good challenge for him. Um, while we're kind of on the topic of second baseman, one guy we haven't talked about here who we did a lot in the offseason uh, was Glaber Torres. Uh, he was reassigned to uh, Yankees minor League camp earlier this week. Um, you know, I got to see him a little bit when I was in Yankees camp. I put up some video on the site of him taking BP uh, along with Miguel Andahar Andahar is still in camp, I believe, uh, but Torres has been sent back mostly because he hasn't had a great spring. I think he's something like two for 19, but I, I wouldn't worry about that. He himself has talked about uh, coming back from Tommy John surgery and, and saying, like, listen, I'm going to be rusty. This is going to happen. Aaron Boone even has said, listen, I'm not worried about his hits. You know, there it's only been 19 at bats, whatever however many it's been, only a couple dozen maybe. Um, Some of the hits haven't fallen in, but he's making good enough contact. That all is going to come. And the only reason I bring this up, because we were talking earlier about uh, guys who will be up quickly, when I was at uh, a game earlier this week, I sent out a tweet that it said my prediction that that night's Yankees infield of Greg Bird, Glaber Torres, Didi Gregorius, and Miguel Andahar is the same one We'll see with the Yankees on May 25th. Um, I said that before they signed Neil Walker. Uh, somebody else brought up, what about Brendan Drury? And I tried to defend that. But um, it seems like the Yankees are making some moves with their infield. A- as much as we thought that Torres and Anderhar were actual opening day options, it doesn't look like that anymore. Uh, the Yankees are trying to compete from day one, take out all the question marks that they can. Um, so they could have leaned on on young talent, but that means this young talent is probably going to get longer looks at Scranton-Wilkes-Barre, which is good for us. We're going to get to talk about them a little bit more, watch their development a little bit more. But, um, yeah, the Yankees, as much as we thought they were going to have an interesting spring camp, uh, it's it's not as been as great a spring camp as we were hoping from some of their prospects.
0: So that'll do it for this week's third segment edition of Three Strikes for coming back to wrap up the show next. last episode of the show before the show with sam at spring training coming up this weekend josh jackson and i are headed to the phoenix area we'll be covering cactus league stuff next week so you can get excited for that um hey tyler yeah sad sad you're not gonna be there yeah
1: Uh, i feel like this podcast has gone pretty long would you say it's gone extra long so far
0: sam
1: tyler (laughs) look behind you look behind you
0: what, what is there's that? a man
1: on the base behind That's, you this game has gone this podcast has gone extra long there's now a runner on second oh
0: day. i literally just turned around and look behind me as if you were going to be standing there with a knife i really
1: wanted laca to be behind <laughs> you just like waving
0: it's like hey what's uh what's going on if i was doing this like in my room she does nothing but sleep on the bed she probably would have would have been very confused this is why i was just randomly turning around um yeah you could say in fact that we needed a
1: tiebreaker for this show yeah let's just call it a tie
0: Okay, that works. Sam and I wrapping up on equal footing. It's a tied episode of the show before the show, episode number 151. Um, no, that'll do it. I'm excited for next week, though. We're going to get a chance to uh, get some reaction to to all these rule changes and all that, and Sam will be back in the office and back to relative normality and uh, closing in on opening day. Um, yeah, get back, I was going to say, yeah, that's, it back.
1: depends on your version of normality. I feel like opening day yeah, coverage, get we really kick things into overdrive. Um, but then normality is baseball, so that's that that's is fine true. by me.
0: That is true. I like it. It's a good way to be normal. Um, so that'll do it for episode 151. Get in touch. We we love to hear your feedback on on these topics and all else. Podcast at MILB.com. dot com. Sam's on Twitter at sam dykstra. Milb. I am on Twitter at tyler mon. Just remember, you're arguing about a sport. Keep it kind of lighthearted. Right. Um, you know, it's probably not going to affect your life one way or another. Really. Right,
1: and we would. Love to next week, like come back with reader feedback or reader feedback, right? Listener feedback of, uh, you know, if, so if you have something civil to say, if you want to, if you have a point to make that you don't think we made, bring it to us, you know, tweet it to us. You can actually at us in this situation. I will allow it. That's fine. Maybe just at me. Don't at Tyler, whatever. Take it however you want. Um, but, yeah, we'd love to hear your feedback. Maybe we'll bring some of that reaction with us next week and, and talk about it a little more because I'm sure you know, we're recording this on Wednesday. News broke just a couple hours ago. still fresh in our minds. Maybe things will settle. Maybe they won't. Maybe we'll still all be talking about this next week. So uh, let us know what you think. We'll bring it up in uh, future episodes.
0: He's Sam Dykstra. I'm Tyler Mom. We'll talk to you next week.